Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Looks Like We Made It. I'm Izzy Howell and I'm joined by my dad Chris to talk all things video marketing. We are the father and daughter who run the fabulous video production company Howell Film and each week we will be discussing everything like what happens behind the scenes on our projects, getting results from your video content, how to start using video in your business and plenty more to come. We will be joined by some wonderful special guests, including our own awesome clients from all kinds of industries, as well as our own film crew and even our own family to candidly converse about creativity. On this episode, we are answering the question, is making a film all about a nice camera? And to help us answer this question, we are joined by Andy Rowan, filmmaker extraordinaire, lead filmmaker for Howl Film and generally wonderful person. So without further ado, let's get started. And of course, never miss an episode every Tuesday by giving us a follow or subscribe, as well as finding Howl Film on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. Let's go. Excellent. Okay. Happy with that? Hello, Andy. Hello. Hi Andy. <laughs> you are here today to help us answer the question, is making a film all about a nice camera? But first, do you want to introduce yourself to all of our massive audience of listeners? Yeah, uh, so I am Andy Rohn. I am a filmmaker and have um, been a filmmaker for pretty much the past, the past decade now. Um, and, you know, I've worked on various productions in scale from... Um, things, you know, ranging from working for the BBC to, um, you know, kind of more drama series and things like that. So so it's kind of the, the broad scope. And then uh, I've also completed work, obviously, um, in the kind of the corporate sector, but also with um, uh, you guys as well doing projects um, over in some really exciting places. Andy, brilliant Geordie filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Do you need an expensive camera to make a brilliant film? Yes. No, no, of course not. No, no. Um, no, the, look, I can only speak from my own experience of um, where I guess I began using um, kind of cheap DSLRs. This was a bit before, uh, I guess, what you would call the, the iPhone revolution, which was when um, obviously the, the capabilities of phones became as amazing as they are now. Um, so my own experience was starting with, you know, um, kind of, uh, a digital single lens reflex cameras and, uh, filming, filming on those, which was kind of where I got my experience. Um, and you know, nowadays we're, we're living in this, uh, incredible time where you can basically take an iPhone and, and obviously people have done and shot things, uh, ranging from commercials to feature films. So you you have the technology you need uh, in your pocket to to film. Um, obviously, this does you know raise the question of um, how do I use this technology to my benefit? How do I how do I kind of take um, you know all of the skills of of an industry that's kind of existed for the last hundred years and 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 bring that to to a phone to film something. That's an entirely different question, because um, then we go into things like technique and 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 media training. But um, where where it all kind of begins is: Do you need an expensive camera? Absolutely not. Okay. So so how come we've invested tens of thousands of pounds <laughs> on on expensive cameras and lenses, etc., when we could have just bought a couple hundred quid worth of iPhones? Yeah. What are we doing? 
It's it's a good question, um, and where the separator line uh, is is kind of brought in um, is whenever you're wanting to push something to a next level, you always want to invest in kit that can basically exceed um, the the phone in your pocket, as it were. Because even though you know an iPhone is four K, um, you're looking at more things like. Um, not to get too technical and bore you with the details, but we enter a realm of things like dynamic range, eight bit, ten bit, fourteen bit. <laughs> more of more of my kind of like, oh, that's amazing. Um, but but really beyond that, you're looking at tools of the trade. Um, you can build a house with you know basic tools, but you wouldn't want to. Is is do you know what I mean? It, it, it becomes yeah, becomes a massive factor of that. We also start talking about things like lenses. Um, there's a general rule that what you want is you want more expensive lenses than camera bodies. So uh, your your lenses are weirdly almost more important um, than the camera itself because that kind of determines the quality of light that enters them and the way the barrels are built. And again, very technical, <laughs> but, but this is where we enter this realm of, of paying lots of money for the expensive kit because basically um, you're looking at um, a sensor effectively at the other end of that lens, which is where that money <laughs> kind of goes, is to building sensors, whether it's micro four thirds, uh, you know, full frame, you name it. Those sensors are, are kind of where the money goes, so... And, and am I right in saying that as you get further up the scale, you you get into a kind of a marginal gains situation where if you've got a if you've got a really nice starter kit, you've got a really nice camera, a couple of nice lenses, a pretty good under, you know good understanding of what it is you're trying to achieve, that each incremental step from that point on is potentially like a, a marginal gain situation where you know the difference between a thousand pound camera and a £5,000 camera could be huge, but the difference between a £5,000 camera and an £8,000 camera or a £10,000 camera is less is less huge and there's just a few more extra features, perhaps, you know, built-in ND filters or, or whatever it may be. And then, the, you know, when then when you get up to a kind of a £100,000 camera, you're getting, you've, you've, well, you've got to be able to justify that, obviously. Um, but you know, is are, are for a, for a sort of a layman user or a new user, the the gains there become marginal. Would that be Would that be right? It's it's difficult to really, um, I I guess give give a, a short answer to that because effectively, uh, what you're looking at is uh, the quality of manufacturing. I guess the best way to describe it is arriving. Uh, in a Ferrari as opposed to arriving in a Fiat Punto. Yeah. So, so if you if don't you, diss the Punto, <laughs> <laughs> no offense to the Punto drivers, but but what you get is you know when you're the, the higher end cameras, we're talking about your Alexas and and you know your fifty thousand pound camera packages. Um, they they effectively are packed full of so much incredible um, technology and uh, effectively, uh, the, again, we, we always go back to sensors, but you've got a fantastic sensor in there. You've got, um, you know, the codec that it basically records to, as well as the fact that it is basically effectively built to take on other expensive kits. So, you know, expensive is as expensive does. And 
Sorry to interrupt. And yeah. also, you've got to know what to do with the, well, I mean, the damn thing, haven't you? Yeah. Like, this, you know, this is the this is this is the downside of what what I guess the the phone. Or I, you can call it, I guess, the iPhone revolution um, is is the fact that people with maybe more means, should we say, financial means to access the kit will go out and buy um, because they have the finances say, to be able to to go and buy something like when it was on the market, um, the Red One Mysterium X, which when it came out was a hugely expensive camera. You know, we're talking, I think it was about 25 grand when it first came out. And it was, you know, you'd get these people who were like, oh, I'll just jump in. I've never done this before, but I'll just buy a really expensive camera and it'll be fine. And it's it's just that's just not how it works. Like anything, there's no point having the most expensive tool, uh, sorry, expensive brushes as an artist if you've never painted before in your life. And you know, yeah. well, like um, I was out on my mountain bike and some guy asked me what what um, compound rubber I was running. <laughs> I think I'm a I'm a fat middle aged bloke. It doesn't matter, you know. It's just it's, at the end of the day, it's that it's that kind of thing, isn't it? It's yeah. about about knowing you, you knowing what to do knowing how to use it planning how you're going to use it how you, where the benefit lies so there's got to be a sweet spot yeah so a, um, a project that we worked on uh, together this year um, had uh, certain challenges to be met so obviously one of the key things uh, is is understanding where technically cameras sit on the end of the spectrum so that you know um for example, if, if which which we did, we had basically four different cameras effectively running at the same time, um, which can be a nightmare if you don't know what you're doing in terms of post production. So um, that that presents its own kind of challenge. Um, but but this became an essential part of it is because if you don't have the budgets to bring in five of the same camera because you would have to then hire and bring in and send you know so there's an entire cost there if if you know what you're looking for in terms of profiles so for example getting cam cameras which will record similarly um in terms of codecs you know how you're going to match them in post as well as using things um which like the kind of the old timey tech i guess like light meters which um, now come uh, in phones to set exposure again it's, it's getting a bit technical but I guess what I'm what I want to kind of push more than anything is that knowing what you can and can't do in technical limitations is the most important thing so if you are doing something for example like a piece of camera and you are a, a small business with no access to money to get somebody to come in kind of help you do that because obviously one of the key things when you get a filmmaker uh, to come in and do something like a promo or an interview video everyone thinks maybe you know how do you justify a cost it's just somebody coming in with a camera but it's not we're also there as filmmakers to coach you to get the best answers out of you to make sure you look right to make sure you sound right to make sure you get the best returns on what you're paying for whereas if you do it with your phone you know there will be trade-offs. A, you're probably not, you know, media trained necessarily. Um, you may not know where to look. You may not know, uh, is the environment right? Is the light right? How am I going to edit this? So they're all things to consider um, when you are approaching it from a technical standpoint. 
Uh, but beyond that, I guess we could talk creatively as well. Well, I was going to say, thinking back to, well, two things really. Um, starting, my, well, I started off in film doing a film studies A-level, which where the um, exam requirements were to make two films, one each year. And one of those I filmed on an iPod Touch at the time. And I didn't, that was obviously quite a few years back, but... I didn't really at the time consider that I needed, you know, a massive, huge Sony or, you know, Blackmagic camera to do that. But I knew I had to basically to tell a story and and get a message across. And it was really the first time I'd ever done that. And what we found, particularly during the pandemic, is that a lot of people have had to use their phones and film a lot more because you can't go out. So when we did the Family Business of the Year Awards, for both years 2020 and 2021, we had to ask people um, to submit themselves speaking to a camera, whether it's announcing an award, presenting an award. And lots of people have had to do that for quite big ticket stuff across the world during the pandemic. And that's really become a part of what businesses and people are expected to do in the public eye. So if you're a business person or an entrepreneur or someone who just wants to start making their own videos and all you've got is your phone or maybe you've got enough for a, like a, an, a, an entry level DSLR or, or something, what can that person do to make sure that it looks right and it's it's not distracting as an editor I get really sometimes distracted when something doesn't sound right or isn't lit right and stuff like that but what are little things people can consider when they're having to maybe out not maybe by choice they're having to create a video on their phone to send to someone to be part of something that they want to look professional they want to look like they know what they're doing and and because it does obviously reflect on them how can they do that in an easy way okay so first things first um sound always uh it's the one thing um which gets overlooked most of the time um so <laughs> sorry that, that was my that was the sound of the chair <laughs> i'm comfortable um, i thought i would just punctuate your sound coming so the first thing you always say to consider whenever you're setting up for anything uh, is is sound. Always consider sound. It's the one thing I think that gets um, kind of left a little bit to like, it might sound good, it might not. And and for me, that approach um, is, is missing the core uh, understanding that every film is 50% visuals, 50% sound. So look to make sure you're in an environment that is quiet uh hopefully not too echoey um so so you're not getting kind of reverb coming through the microphone so it sounds you know uh, almost layered um so lo- listen out for that nice clean audio um if you're I, I tend to find it's more in factory settings where people want to do it in their office but if your office is next to the factory floor or the shop floor that can be a problem um, so it becomes a case of thinking: Do I do it now? Do I do I wait till after hours to do the content? Um, so time and sound are the first two things really to consider. Uh, after that, you want to find a nice, uh, quiet, uh, kind of well lit area. So there's there's a very 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 simple trick um, that you can do if you're ever wondering like, oh, how do I get this light kind of nice? 
Um, and that is is basically it's it, it's as old as time itself. It's called a forty five degree rule. So basically, if you're sat and the camera is in a straight line in front of you, if you've got a protractor or a protractor app, plop it in front of you, get about forty five degrees from yourself. Put a light there just above your eyes, tilting downwards so you're not getting shadows on the back, just pushing them down. That's what's known as a key light in the film industry. And then just put one diagonally opposite behind you in exactly the same height and same position. And the reason you do that is it sculpts it very well. So if someone um, doesn't have access to lights like that but have a ring light i mean i have a ring light to yeah. make instagram reels on yeah. does that because i use that facing me straight ahead is that yeah. something that you can still do or should you have more than one should you put it to the side you can you can put it straight on there's a lot of like vloggers and stuff do that where they've got their camera and the ring light in front of them yes but the the issue that you have whenever you put anything straight on um is is it's what it's called as flat lighting and the problem with flat lighting more than anything is it, it, it it's basically it will not pick you out of the background. So if you're if if you're in, say, for example, a small room or you have very limited space and you stand next to the wall, that light will literally flatten the wall as mm-hmm. as a backdrop. There is there's no depth or separation of layers, which which for me as a filmmaker is it, you've got you've got to do. But so can they can can somebody who's, who's just having a go at this can they use any light can they use like a desk light can they use natural a, light. a natural light a lamp any anything that's to hand they haven't got to have the swanky pants sort of photo you know um, video lights that we've got or anything do they? they they can use any light any light I can't stress that enough right. any light is fine lamps yeah. you name it um, what is what is kind of known in the industry is practicals so they they do exist people use real lights in films it's not it's completely not uncommon um so so if you do have any practical lighting uh, lamps are brilliant usually because they'll give a nice soft light um my one thing i would say is try and have um lamps that emit a similar color of light so you don't have like an orange and a blue in the same room because it, it, it's distracting. But again, it, you know, that's it, it's what you have. It's using what you've got and using technique and knowledge to try and help shape light in the room you're in. So um, you, you use you use what you have. Um, but but really, kind of almost doubling back before we even bring the phone into the equation um is is idea what 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 are you basically what is the point of making the video so many people want to just grab stuff and go i i've been told i need to make a video you know whether that's from a marketing agency or or, or an advice from anybody basically they go yeah i've got any video content and it's it's then that mad rush to go oh i've got to make video but not having any idea where to even start so and 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 so don't what i would always say is don't rush into it because people are they're never going to engage with bad video so you know that that is again where the professionals you if if you are literally like i have no idea what to do speak to a professional it's always the best thing to do um but if you if you have that kind of idea that you're going to say hey i just want to do a quick piece to camera where i want to update people on the status of something like a business or a new product or do you know what I mean and they just want to do a quick video showcasing that you know that can be easily done 
you know, with a phone, but always have what is the point of this video written somewhere in the room. So every time that you stop, you look at it and go, am I hitting that target, you know? We still have to go through a planning process irrespective of the kit you're using, don't you? Um, I think that's important. 100%. So here's a, here's a random question. Mm-hmm. Does anybody think that the pandemic is going gonna, is gonna to make people more willing and more able and more keen to do video insofar as for, for 18, 17, 18 months now, everybody's been on Zoom calls and Teams calls mm. and stuff. So they're kind, of kind, they're kind of used to seeing themselves. Do you, do you think that as we, as we, as we unlock and as, as things hopefully start getting back to normal, that, we, that we're going to get people who are going to be a lot more comfortable being filmed? Because they because they've. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think that you're, or what from what I've seen through seeing other business people and people that we know through through industry and stuff doing this, is that we before the pandemic in sort of twenty nineteen we'd be speaking to people who would not really understand the value of video, nor would they consider it maybe within their business for whatever reason that may be. It wasn't something; it was quite alien to them at the time. But then when that went from being maybe like a, a thing to add or invest in in your business, it became a commodity during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It went from wanting it to really needing it to speak to your customers. You couldn't go out and, you know, network and speak to people. And I saw people who through maybe like LinkedIn connections and stuff going live on LinkedIn, going live on Instagram and, and actually realizing that, when you strip away things like face-to-face networking and coffees and meetings and stuff, video really is the next thing after that, other than maybe speaking to people on the phone. So I think I think there's become, because of the pandemic, more of an awareness of how it is used, because people have had to use it to speak to their customers as a necessity. So hopefully after that, and people can go back to networking and go back to speaking to people in person, the value that they got through the pandemic and that they relied on for that year will hopefully Should carry follow, on. Follow and, and, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I've, I've seen people who, even though you can go out and network, even though you can now go for meetings with people or, you know, do a, a talk and maybe in front of a small group of people, I have seen businesses still choosing to go live on social media, still choosing to do this. So it's whether the decision to take it a bit further and maybe get a more professional production made, whether that's an option. But I think the use of being comfortable showing your bookcase or the back of your living room Mm -hmm. or whatever it may be. And I think that's really transformed, but hopefully, you know, there might still be a bit way to go, but I think, you know, it's getting there. Anything else to add there? (laughs) Top, top filmmaker. Now we've, now we've established (laughs) that you, that you don't need any, anything but an iPhone and a, and a desk lamp. Um, is there anything you want to add? Um, I, I would always actively encourage people, um, to get professionals to do, anything important to the business i think like you can't underline that enough in the same way that you would not um you would not get a roofer to plumb your house just do you know what i mean it's not you can't (laughs) you can't you can't have a one-size-fits-all approach um one of the you you know it's so important to like you know we are living in um in a very very digitally consuming age so every piece of video that goes out there 
uh, is important. And I, I still don't think that's understood by so many people. So um, it, it's now becoming um, part and parcel of it where the pre-production is actually, you know, so important that um, anybody, anybody without uh, ever having, sorry, ever having that experience of, of working with a camera, go to a professional because they can get you uh, straight up to kind of straight up the speed. But also, um, you'll get to learn firsthand the interview techniques they use, watch how they interview. Um, kind of pick up on things that they've noticed. So, for example, I say, oh, I, I thought that was interesting. Could you say that again? You might not have noticed something like that, and that might be actually the bit that everyone goes, oh, when you said that in that video, that was great. So so it's those things, you know, that are really important. So always get a professional. If, you, if you're in doubt or, or are doing a piece of video content, that is important to your business. I can't stress that enough. Um now, like I say, for, for things like interviews, uh, pieces to camera, quick fire things, you know, you might go, oh, we've got this new thing in, keep keep your eyes open. I would say where, where iPhone filming or phone filming will become the norm for businesses is using things that are um, to, to kind of whet the appetite before you either launch something big, uh, even if it is still in print using photos and text, or whether it's a video, I don't foresee an entire era where everything will go through a phone. Um, but it, but it certainly is handy for those without the budgets to invest in um, in video. But there is kind of one quote uh, to kind of to kind of leave it with, um, which it, it effectively boils down to that video is one of the most important parts of your business. Um, and if you don't have a video budget within your marketing budget, you've you've gone wrong somewhere. And that is, you know, and that is one of the uh, the key things that I've found uh, has has been a key takeaway for a lot of businesses. Cool. <clears throat> well, that answers our question, I believe, for, right. for this week. So, last but not least, then anything you want to plug for your side. Uh, no, I, I, I hope it wasn't too technical. I, I tend to go quite technical most of the time, um, but that's just sheerly because I love... There's nothing better than, than, than you know, for somebody like me is, is using the camera to, to tell stories for people, to tell, you know, whether they're individuals or businesses. Just storytelling really is, is, is such a passion of mine and... Uh, yeah, I, I, could, I could go on for hours, so I won't. But uh, yeah, uh, but hopefully can... not too technical. <laughs> but you can find Andy on social media and also through big screen wedding films as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll chat about that. Yeah, well. absolutely. Sure. But you know, you yeah. you do all, you've got all kinds of feathers in in your cap. But uh, so the questions that I well, what I asked Dad last time. Um, number one, what's your favourite film? And number two, if someone was going to play you in the movie of your life, who would it be? Uh, well, my favourite film uh, ties probably between Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, because I would not be a filmmaker if that film did not exist. There is, it was such a huge impact on my life um, as a teenager, and just kind of stuck with me even to this day. And uh, it's 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 up there next to Jaws. The film that terrified me as a child. As someone who's scared of sharks, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just Brain a masterstroke. 
Um, and who would play me in a movie is... Um, it's a good question. I mean, I think everybody in their right mind just wants John Hamm to play them. Like, <laughs> well, not, not Danny DeVito, then. <laughs> Just, yeah, yeah, I'm not, I, can go yeah. I think John Hamm could play everyone in it, like all three, you know. Yeah, yeah, we, we all be, we'd be fine with that. It was just he's that good. So in the movie of Howell film, he yeah. is playing all of us. All, all the roles. <laughs> all the roles. Okay, cool. So thank you for joining us, Andy, and I'm sure you'll be in many more episodes to come because we've got plenty of questions that need a good technical answer. So that's that's jolly good. Anything you want to add, Dad? Uh, no, I'm all good. I'm not everyone's dad, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, just mine <laughs> and my brothers. Um, but so yeah, so that's it for this week. Don't forget to um, follow and subscribe to our podcast to catch up on all the amazing stuff we'll be talking about in the future. You can get our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, and don't forget to find us at Howl Film on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. So have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.